We've seen that there are five different types of prayer. We talked about petition, which is where you're asking for something for yourself. Confession, where you're telling on yourself, where you confess your sin. Worship, where you're praising God. Thanksgiving, where you're thanking Him for everything. And then there was just one more area, and that's the idea of intercession. And that's where you pray for somebody else. Now, we do this all the time. People come up and say, hey, would you pray for me? i got this going. Or would you pray for me? Or I've got an uncle that's going into surgery. Would you pray for that? Those kind of things. We, we talk about that. In this part that's going to take us two weeks, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at, first of all, praying for salvation for someone. This is the idea of evangelism, that prayer for somebody to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. We're going to talk about what to do, how to do it, those kind of things. And then we're going to talk about praying for our growth, praying for others to grow as believers and being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I told you that we're going to have a a couple of lessons before we're through on what to really pray for for each other, because we know it is so simple to, to say, uh, I've got this surgery coming up, or I've got this, or I've got an aunt that lives in four states away, and you know she's got a bad foot. And, thing, you know, and that's what we talk about a lot. But how often do we pray for our spiritual growth, for each other's spiritual growth? We say, well, we, never, we always say, anybody got prayer requests? Nobody says, I'd like y'all to pray that I'd grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and that I would learn how to study the Bible better. And I would, we, don't, we don't do that much. When we look at Paul's prayers, which we're going to see, that's exactly what he prays for, and we'll look at that. So we're going to look at two things, the idea of praying salvation aspect, praying for those to come to know Christ, and then pray for growth, that we would grow to, to, be, to be conformed to the image of Christ, and we would do the things we're supposed to do. So what is our responsibility? What are the things we're supposed to do? That's why I want you to turn to Matthew 28. We all know it's famous. This is our famous passage. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. It's what we're supposed to do. If you notice, it says, Jesus came up. This is verse 18. Jesus came up and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. He is all the authority. He says, Go therefore and make disciples. There's the command. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them, observe all which I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. When we teach this passage, we teach there are three things there. There's the authority at the very beginning. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. The authority is Jesus Christ. When we leave this place and we want to go do what God has for us to do, the authority is Jesus. Then the command is to make disciples. And, and that's, that's basically two aspects of making disciples, evangelism and training. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. So he says, I want you to make disciples. And then the comfort, he says, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, we've talked this many, many times. This is not new for us, but just think about this. He is the authority. We have a commission, which is to make disciples, which is evangelism and training. And then he, the comfort is that as we go out into this fallen world, he was there. This command involves these two things, evangelism and training, which is the whole idea of proclaiming the salvation message and then helping people grow. Think about this. When was the last time that you actually shared with someone about Christ, they trusted Christ, and then you met with them and helped them grow as a believer? For a lot of believers, they say, I've never done that in my life. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Evangelism and training, the Great Commission, go, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach and serve all which I've commanded, go out where they are, lead them to Christ, and then train them and equip them. That's what we're supposed to do. And so be thinking about this whole aspect. And so evangelism and training, that, that is what we're supposed to do. And so as we look at prayer, and we're tying this in, here's what we're going to think about. We're going to pray for each other, and we're talking about evangelism, that's the salvation. We're going to be praying for people that 
we may know that they're not Christians, or we may say, I don't know if they're Christians or not. And what we want to pray for is the opportunity to talk to them. And we're going to talk more about that. And then we also pray for each other for growth. And so those two things tie together. In this lesson, we're going to talk more about praying for people to come to know Christ as Savior. In the next lesson, we're going to talk about praying for our spiritual growth. But I want you to think about this. Prayer is important. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, Prayer is to be made for all men, for all people. He says we should be praying for everybody. We should be praying. And he goes on and he talks about leaders. Do you pray for the leaders in our country? Do you pray for the leaders? Do you pray for the leaders in the state of Oklahoma? Do you pray for the leaders in our community? Do you pray for leaders in our church? He basically says, prayers to make for all people. And then I loved what Samuel did, because after the nation of Israel sort of rejected Samuel and wanted a king, Samuel said, they said, Samuel, we really blew it. Don't stop praying for us. And Samuel says, but as for me, far be it that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. He said, I'm going to always pray for you. We need to be praying for each other. And we're going to talk about salvation and growth. Let's talk about it for just a second before we get into the salvation. Salvation is that we're talking about praying to have opportunities to share our faith. Now listen, the greatest thing you can ever do, about the greatest thing you can ever do, of course, is making disciples, which is two things, evangelism and training. But just think about the opportunity that you would have to talk with someone and somehow it comes up and you say to them, if you were to die, would you go to heaven or would you have that? And they say, I don't know or no, I wouldn't. And you say, would you like for me to show you from the scripture how you can know for sure that you have eternal life? And they would say to you, well, yeah. And then you have the privilege to show them from the Bible how they can have eternal life by putting their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. What could be better than that? That, that you, you get to take somebody from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, and God uses you. You're the instrument. God's not going to, he's just not going to have, he's not, voice is not going to come down to that person and say, listen to me, he's using us. We're the instruments. So when people say, boy, that'd be wild for him to use me. Well, he's supposed to use you. We're supposed to be the ones that he uses. The second thing that I want you to think about is the whole idea of growth. And what do we pray for? Now, there's nothing wrong, and we've already said that you can pray for anything, any, anybody, anywhere, anything, about, about anything. And it's okay to pray for, I've got a surgery coming up, i got this, i got a doctor's appointment, i got a test I'm going to take, I want to try to get this job. It's okay to pray for that. But shouldn't we also pray for each other's spiritual growth? And we'll talk about that uh, in the next lesson or two. So in this lesson, we're going to look at the whole issue of salvation. Praying for salvation. Are there people, let me ask you this, I'll guarantee you this. Raise your hand if there are people you come in contact with every day that you either know they're not a Christian or you don't know if they're a Christian. So every one of us in this room, did we not come? We, so, so there's some people we come in contact with every day that this has to be real in our lives because we don't know if they're Christians or we're pretty sure they're not because they may have said to something, some, you know, something to us in the past and said, oh, no, no, I'm, I don't believe in all that. Or they, you may have never got to talk to them. They may look religious. They may go to church. But you've never actually found out whether they know Christ. And here's the sad thing. There are a whole bunch of people who go to church that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And sometimes we just think, well, they go to, they go to that church, so they must be okay. We, we, you know, so... 
other people every day that we know do not know Christ, or we're not, we just don't know whether they do or not, and that we should be there. And so it, 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 in our lives, we come to those people. Our goal is want to make sure that they trust in Christ as Savior if they've never trusted in Christ. We pray. Brian and I meet every, every Sunday morning pretty early, and we pray, and we go through everything. We start with the nursery and then the children's, the Bible kids, what's going on now. Then we pray for kids' church, and then we pray for the youth, and then we pray for college, and then we pray for the grow groups, and we pray, we pray for every aspect. But one of the things we always pray, especially from little all the way up, is that if there's any of those kids, youth, college, if anybody has never trusted Christ, today would be the day that they would hear the message and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, most like, when we study going through Matthew, a lot of the passages aren't dealing with salvation. Jesus is teaching righteous living. But we're going to almost always, every now and then, throw in there the salvation part to make sure people understand, even people who might visit the church for the first time, that the salvation message is a gift. It's faith in Christ for eternal life. So that's one of the things we want to do. We want to pray that. Why? Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and all people need a Savior. The ultimate plan, the story of the Bible, is how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the story of the Bible because, man, every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior. By the grace of God, every one of us in this room, I, I would assume, let, let me say it this way, I'm assuming that every one of us in this room, that we have put our faith in Christ as Savior. And so if I said to you, how many of you know you're going to heaven? Every hand would go up and say, I've trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I have eternal life. Okay, so that, that's great, but, but we, there are people all around us who do not know Christ. So I want you to see what Paul did. I want you to, to move from Matthew and move to the, to the book of Romans. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Just go to Romans, and Romans chapter 10. Now, as we're turning there, I want to remind you that Paul, that Paul who wrote Romans, was Jewish. And by the time that he's out, his, mes- his ministry is primarily to Gentiles. He's going all over the world uh, to what we'd call Asia Minor, which was Turkey, and then he goes to Greece, and he goes to northern and southern Greece, and he, go- he goes to-, he going to all these places. And, but even though he's going to Gentiles, his desire is that the Jewish people would trust Christ. Because as a whole at this time, many of them are rejecting Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see what Paul says. What's Paul's heart? Paul's heart. Look at, at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Paul, he says, brethren, he's writing to the Romans, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them. He's talking about the Jews. He's been talking about, he talks about the Jews in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. So three chapters, he talks about the Jewish people. So when he says, brethren, writing to the, to the Romans, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, the Jews, is for their salvation. He prays that the Jewish people, and probably some Jewish people that he knew, would come to know Christ as Savior. I met a Jewish guy when I was uh, coaching at Mississippi State. His name was Abishai ben Parai. It means son of the fruitful vine. And he came over to go to school at Mississippi State. He, um, uh, he was a pilot in the Israeli Air Force. Uh, he fought in a couple of the wars. And... Uh, uh, I talk, his wife was really open. He, he wasn't open. They invited me to eat, and, and then she said, tell me about 
Christianity, and he picked up a paper like this, you know, and he, but I could hear, I knew he was listening the whole time, so, but he, I, I used to say, oh, Lord, I wish Abishai would, would put his faith in Christ. Don't we pray for people? Paul is praying for Jewish people. This is who he's praying for here, but it, in, that's the context, but the bottom line would be, do we pray for people that they would come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? There are people you come in contact with, you have no way of knowing until you talk to them whether they know Christ. You might, you might talk to them. You may say, oh, I don't think that person is. You start talking with them, and you find out, yes, they've trusted Christ as Savior, and they have eternal life. And you go, wow, me too, this is great. But you may talk to somebody, and you find out that they haven't trusted Christ. And then you have the great privilege to try to talk to them. What was Paul's prayer in this thing? It was that they would believe and be saved. They're, for them is their salvation. Notice verse 2. He says, for I testify about them. They have a zeal for God. Jewish people had a zeal for God but not in according to knowledge. They missed it. For not knowing about God's righteousness, which comes by faith, and seeking, they sought to establish their own righteousness. And see, that's what a lot of people do. How are we saved? How? By faith in Christ for eternal life. There are a lot of people think you're saved by doing good. And say so they're about to establish their own righteousness. Say, so if I do more good than bad, if I try to live a good life, if I try to keep the Ten Commandments, if I go to church, if I do good things, then God will allow me to be saved. And so there are a whole bunch of people who have zeal, but not according to knowledge, because they miss the truth. The truth is salvation is a gift by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's his prayer, that they would be saved. Um, who in your family that you know has never trusted Christ. Do you pray for them every day? My sister, my oldest sister, uh, has never, but as far as I know, she's never trusted Christ. She named her son Darwin Charles. She's got a PhD in anthropology from Tulane. She's one of the sweetest, greatest people I've ever met. But as far as I know, she's told me many times she doesn't believe this. So I pray for her every day. And she lives in California. If you remember the, the big fire that burned out, her house got burned down, burned the whole subdivision. She, they got out about, uh, they happened to be somewhere else, so they weren't there. Their next door neighbor said they had 15 minutes to get out before the fire hit. So she's been through that, and, and, uh, and she's the sweetest thing. But I pray every day that either, you know, some, she might, someday. I've tried to talk to her, but we, it, doesn't, it hasn't worked real well. Let me put it that way. Okay, so uh, I'm praying somebody else might get to talk to her too. Is there someone in your family, your friend, somebody that's close to you that you know have never trusted Christ as Savior? Listen to this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul's prayer that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. Do you, do you pray that the message of salvation will go all over this community? Listen, there's messages out there, but they're not clear. We have a clear message. We are responsible because we have a clear message. Now, let's be honest. A lot of people don't have a clear message. And you hear them talk and you wonder, well, what did they say? There was like six things they said a person had to do to be saved. And so it's real confusing. So I don't know how a person knows if they're saved or not because I don't know if they've done all six things or they're going to keep doing all six things or whatever it is. We know it's simply faith in Christ for eternal life. We have that message. And let me show you something. You're in Romans. Just go back to Romans chapter 1. Just flip back just a little bit to Romans chapter 1. And I want you to see what Paul says. And this is why it's so powerful. Why in the world should we pray that people come to know Christ their Savior? You say, well, that's kind of a stupid question. Don't we want people to have eternal life? Yeah, yeah, we do. 
Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Look what Paul says. It's in verse 14. I am under obligation, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. He says, I'm under obligation. Under obligation to do what? To take the message. Are you under obligation? Am I under obligation to take this message of Jesus Christ into this community? So here's the question. When was the last time you talked to anybody? And it's real simple. We just get in our life and we just go through life and we get up and we go to work and we come home and we eat and we go to bed and we get up and we don't, sometimes don't even think about the people that we come in contact with, especially the same people. Do they know Christ? And Paul says, I'm under obligation. And then look what he goes on to say. So then, I'm under obligation. For So for my part, verse 15, I'm eager to preach the gospel. And then he says, to you also who are in Rome. He says, I'm also, uh, you know, I'm, he's not there yet. There's a church already in Rome, but he wants to get to Rome and proclaim the gospel message to those who are, are not saved. And so Paul says, he's under obligation. Are we under obligation? Do you feel, let me ask you this, do you feel any kind of obligation day in and day out to share your faith? I, I would say that most of us probably don't. I mean, we just, we're, we're okay. you know, it's just enough almost to make it through life. I mean, sometimes that's how we look at it. We go, I just got to get up, I got to get to work, I got to do this, I got to do this, and I got to go back home, and then, maybe I, you know, I got to exercise, or I got to read a book, or I got to do something. And then we never think about it. But if we woke up and said, I'm under obligation today that as I go through my life to look to, for people that I've been praying for and get an opportunity to talk to them about Christ. So let's challenge each other. What about this week that you pray today and pray when you wake up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Lord, give me an opportunity today to tell somebody that I come in contact with about Jesus. That doesn't mean they trust Christ. They might and they might and they already may be a Christian. Who knows? So when we think about it that way, uh, I want you to think about two things. I want to talk about praying and being ready to share, Okay. And so let's talk about, first of all, for the praying part, and that is list some names. Listen, get a little book and say, okay, people that I'm going to pray that I'll get to talk to, because some of them are people I know are not Christians, and some of them I, I have no idea whether they're Christians or not, and I want to talk to them. So you put down like three or four names, and every day you say, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk to Ralph. I see him every morning at the coffee place. Or give me an opportunity to talk to this one. And, and, and put it down. Or your next door neighbor. And you say, you know, I've got a next door neighbor there really sweet, but I've never got to talk. I, know, I don't know if there's I don't know. So write it down. Be, write, get a list of some names. And, and maybe because we do, we're pretty much creatures of habit. We, look where you sit. You all sit exactly the same place. If I turned around, I could tell you Susie's right there and Ed's right there. And, you know, there's, I mean, that's where... I have to stand, I stand in the same place, but and I sit right here. Don't anybody get to see? But anyway, no, I I do. But the thing about it is, we pretty much have it. So that means there are a lot of the same people we see all the time. Let's think about it. And second is, trust Christ for the opportunities to share. Or say, Lord, Lord, give me the opportunities. Now, for that to happen, you got to look for them, and we're going to see that more in just a second. But let's pray put a list of names, and pray that you would have an opportunity, and, and trust Christ. Say, Christ, give me opportunities to talk to these people. 
And you know, some of the names that you put down there may already be Christians. You, you just don't know. And some of them may have never heard the message. It's amazing you can grow up in the United States and never hear a clear message at all. Never hear a clear message at all. Think about the first time that you actually heard the clear message. Some of you growing up heard a really confused message. Some of you trusted Christ with a confused message. You just said, I'm coming to Jesus, whatever that meant, you know. But, but the bottom line is now you say, no, it, Jesus died and rose again for me. I'm trusting him to give me eternal life. That's the clear message. And there are a whole bunch of people out there that don't have that message at all. The second thing is to be ready to share. And so that means to be trained. If you've never had the 412 with Brian, take that because he teaches you in there. Uh, the 2-2, we, uh, we also go over it in the 2-2. Uh, there's uh, a class that I taught called Becoming a Disciple Maker. There's seven lessons on how to share your faith and seven lessons on how to disciple someone. This is a... Oh, that back one's messing up. But that's the... Uh, that's the exact thing we're trying to do. That class is called Becoming a Disciple Maker. I'll probably teach it within the next year or two. Be ready. Be trained. Know the gospel. The bottom line is this. is so many of us, you say, yeah, I know the gospel, but I'm like scared to do it. So know a method. You know what the simplest method is? You can go with every kind of way in the world, but just know John 3.16. And all you have to say is, God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his son Jesus to die and rise again, that whosoever, that's any person, would believe in him as just faith alone in Christ, would never, never perish, but have what? Everlasting life. You believe in Christ for eternal life. Everlasting. That's all you have to do is know one verse, and everybody in this room knows that verse. In fact, we got a whole bunch of children on Wednesday night that know that verse, and know a whole lot more verses as well. So we can all share our faith, just that one verse. We can do it. We we, we can do it. So know a method. And then look for the opportunities. Let me tell you what. If you look for the opportunities, they'll be there. I have to, I, I have to tell the story real quickly. It, and I, you've heard me say it. So I just, some of you know this, and so, but some of you don't. At Dallas Center, we had day of evangelism every semester. Once a semester, took a whole day. We got into groups of guys like four or five with a professor, and we went into communities that they had marked out for us. And when they went in those communities, they'd say, okay, this is your section. And we would go, we'd go door to door. And all we'd do is knock on the door and say, we're from Dallas Seminary. Do you mind if we ask you some spiritual questions? That's what we did. Sometimes they ran us off. Sometimes we didn't. The very, when we got out of the car, my good friend and I, uh, Jim, we got out together and he said, uh, you go first. I said, no, no, you go first. And he said, you go first. And so we, you know, we walk up to the door. And what's amazing is we begin to share and then before the day's over, we're running to the doors to be the first guy. And, and we get out of the car, and we're at uh, uh, Walgreens. And we just go up to people at Walgreens and say, hey, I'd like to ask you a question. I mean, it, we got bolder and bolder as the time went. The more you do it, the bolder you become. It's just, it's just amazing. So look for the opportunities. Know a method. Be trained. Uh, it, it's powerful. Now, I've got one other thing. We're about out of time, so let me show you this. Just remember this, that unbelievers are, are dead in sin, spiritually, and they're spiritually dead. They cannot understand the things of the Bible. Let me, let me tell, you, tell you what that means. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not understand the things of God. That means if you start talking about justification and glorification and Jonah and the well and the six days of creation and, and who Ezekiel was, and uh, they're not going to grasp all that. They can't. They're spiritually dead. But... The Bible tells us that 
In John 16, 8 through 11, the Holy Spirit convicts the world. The word world there is cosmos, which means the unbelieving world. The Holy Spirit convicts the unbelieving world, not the Holy Spirit does not convict the unbelieving world that Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish. Doesn't convict them of that. So stay off that subject. It convicts them of the fact that they, it says they convict them of sin, and the sin is they have not believed in Christ. Righteousness, because to be with God, you've got to be righteous. And judgment, there's a separation coming. That's John, uh, <clears throat> the passage in John 16, 8 through 11. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because they have not believed in me, says Jesus. Righteousness because I go to the Father, and judgment because there's this, the prince of the world has been judged. So when you talk to unbelievers, stay on the issue of Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Christ for eternal life. Holy Spirit convicts them that they have not believed in Christ. If you start talking about other things and they bring up a subject like, yeah, but what about, what about the six days of creation? Just say, you know, that's not an issue right now. Let's go back to what will you do with Jesus Christ? What do you believe about Christ? You've got to stay on that issue. That's why when people say things like, I'm afraid to share my faith because I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I don't know. They can't ask you a question you don't know. Not about the gospel. You know the gospel, death and resurrection of Christ. You know the responses to believe. And so if they get off the subject on something you don't know, just say, I don't know that, but let's go back to what I do know because that's what the Holy Spirit is convicting them of. So you don't have to be afraid that they're going to ask you questions you don't know. Anybody can ask any of us questions we don't know. I, I, there's a whole bunch about the Bible I don't know. If, if we said, well, we can't share our faith until we know the whole Bible and every answer to every question, we'll never share our faith. Remember, the issue is what will they do with Christ? Will they believe in him? And the Holy Spirit is convicting that. So it's time. So let me do this. Let me give you some applications before we go to grow groups. And this is this. We must be praying for others to trust Christ as Savior and to grow as a believer. That's what we've got to be doing. And so this morning's primarily about the salvation issue. The second thing is we're under obligation to tell others the good news message. We may not feel like it. We may feel like that it doesn't matter what we do. We may say there must be other people doing it. It doesn't really matter. You and I, we both have an obligation before God to share our faith. And then third is we should be praying and be trained, ready to share. Maybe we should be praying for people. We should get trained. We should be ready to share. We should get specific lists and pray daily. Get you some names. I challenge you this. If you get names and write down three to four names and begin to pray every day for these people and ask God to give you an opportunity to talk to them, you will have the opportunity to talk to them. I guarantee you that. His will is that you share your faith, and you're asking him to share, let you share your faith with these particular people. Do you think that's going to happen? I guarantee you that's going to happen. So be ready. When you write the list down and do that, be ready to share. Last but not least, get a method and look for opportunities to share our faith.